Wait, what's that? Are these studio lights? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they are. Uh, folks, welcome. Welcome to another episode of RTAF Podcast. Thank you for being here. This month's guest, Shane Moss. Legendary psychedelic comedian. He's on the road right now. You can check that out at shanemossmauss.com. Shane's also a psychedelic advocate. In fact, his whole comedy routine sort of revolves around the psychedelic experience. And he's also a scientific communicator. He has a podcast called Here We Are, which is a great podcast worth checking out. And it delves into scientific topics. He interviews a lot of tenured professors and scientists working in the field, stuff like that. So if you're into a podcast that could have been called Science AF, you should check that one out too. Anyway, you're going to love this episode. Uh, it's just real relaxed, real laid back. Shane was nice enough to come to my place and have a conversation with me for about an hour and 30 minutes. So thanks, Shane, if you're listening to this. And yeah, we get into all sorts of stuff, mostly comedy, psychedelics, and science, since those are his wheelhouses. Uh, plenty more to talk about next time. have a bunch of notes, questions that I didn't even get to. So definitely look for him to be a repeat guest in the future. Also, I should mention, he didn't have Shane has these new cool products. You can go to mypurplelady.com. What are they? What are they, you guys? They are gummies. Blue Lotus gummies and Amanita Muscaria gummies. Very nice. I've tried both. Very mild. Very workable in social situations. And... Yeah, I love what he's doing with that. And I guess without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Peace. All right, Shane Moss, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, you're obviously you're a comedian. Is that that is that how you would? If we're talking like third dimensional identity stuff, it, it's it's the way uh, most pe most people think of me as a comedian. It's what pays the bills. Sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I do a lot of other things. Right. And uh, and sometimes I'm much more passionate about, say, science communication or something. Right. But, okay. But comedy is what pays my bills. It's what people know me for. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a comedian. Nice. And then the other, you, you mentioned scientific communication. And the other thing I believe I've heard you say is, would you say psychedelic advocate or a yeah. proselytizer, Something purveyor? Like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, everything changes over time. I think when I first started, it, so I, I started doing, I started out as a regular 
comedian, you know, I was fortunate enough to catch a bunch of breaks early on and nice. get on late night and that sort of thing. So I was like a absurdist kind of short jokes, setup punch kind of person and uh, found myself, you know, full time headlining around the country and even internationally. And then when I started doing international shows, they they would have festivals where a lot of people have like more themed shows mm-hmm. and i just kind of wanted to travel internationally more and break into those markets yeah and so i was like well what themed show would i do and i happen to always be reading like science books as a hobby and so i started thinking well m- maybe i put together a, a science themed show and um and then once i started down that track um then i started liking the idea of doing themed shows more uh usually they'd have a scientific bent to them and um so are you reading reading a lot is that right now no but generally yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. a lot of audio books a lot of audio because i i drive quite a bit for touring i noticed audio book while driving i didn't know that you were doing the the van, living out of the van kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I generally stay in Airbnbs, which I should really write them to sponsor me or something because <laughs> I, I actually have quite a big fan and I use their business like crazy. But I like staying in people's homes and all these various like weird spaces. Like you saw the one that I got yeah, yeah. in Denver for like entertaining and everything. And it, it was like a 1950s pop art themed. They had like physical Campbell's soup cans in different colors and like yeah. just uh, sort of like halftone comic book style stuff on the wall. Yeah, and like a little putt putt course. Oh, yeah, and, that's like, right. Karaoke lounge and all this other weird crap. And so, and then sometimes, like, sometimes I'll stay in a place where it's just like the people are, they went like real far to like, let people know about Jesus. Uh, like with, with, with <laughs> their like, Airbnb. Come stay and it's like, get converted. It's like this is an insane number of crucifixes to <laughs> have in an Airbnb that's true yeah. that you're giving so and I but I love that. I once stayed in a place it was uh I it was it came up as like one of the top ten weirdest places on Airbnb and so I just like sight unseen. I was like, hell yeah. And it was uh, outside of L.A. It was a guy who did all of the Marilyn Manson videos. And so Ooh. his entire house was just made of all these like weird demonic props. like props and Ooh. stuff like that. It was very, very <laughs> strange. But then I'll, I like like a tiny house and in, in yeah. on a ranch, you know, I, I like I like someone that feels like, uh, you know, that that wants to decorate like. A, an entire wall with horseshoes or something like I, yeah. I like that so like that's that's the early days of airbnb i really got into it and then like when they started making airbnbs like professional yeah it kind of started sucking cause, yeah because you're not really getting a true glimpse of like no americana just, you're <laughs> just you're just getting cookie cutter right like bed bath and beyond sure. uh, decorations and stuff yeah it's definitely become a business nowadays yeah. like yeah so it's not it's not what it once was but it's <laughs> so still you're pretty... you're kind of like an airbnb like uh, yeah hipster so, purist so the vent yeah exactly <laughs> so maybe I, i'm sure there's new sites that are probably better that i just got to take the time to explore so there's uh, that's so the van which i just 
I just uh, purchased today, actually. Congratulations. I've, I've had uh I've had three weeks test driving it and seeing if it was it got it off a friend, so rented it for a few weeks okay, to nice. see if uh if I really wanted to pull the trigger on it. And um and it's a major upgrade just in terms of space. And there's a bed in there which is like napping's great and I'll like camp in it um from time to time. But it's also just like uh it's uh it's so nice to be able to like pull off the side of the road and take a nap quick. Yeah. So you're a nap try. guy. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I, uh, speaking of pros- proselytizing. Yeah. <laughs> a, a nap guy. Like I, I am a huge, like psychedelic advocate. Like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know where I always fall on the psychedelic, <laughs> like what I think about them necessarily. And I go from like, being enthusiastic to getting jaded and and like going back and forth and like wondering you know what uh, there's pros and cons to it and everything and and but naps oh (laughs) if there was uh, the only uh, the only solid advice that i'm i'm happy giving people is more naps and i'm incredible at napping a lot of people aren't i'm like i might be yeah i might i might be the exact opposite of you in in terms of you know constitutionally made up to be able to take naps in the middle of the day i am i am terrible at it i just yeah i've i've even just now learned how to really sleep somewhere between seven and eight hours every night yeah, or, or every night, most nights that I can. Um, and so napping has just always been out of the question. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just an incredible sleeper. I could fall asleep right now and I'm enjoying this conversation. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm probably putting some people probably going, falling asleep right now, just listening. My, that's how contagious my, yeah. my napping skills are. You do have that, that, um, deep baritone voice that (laughs) might lull one to sleep yeah it's a little hypnotic (laughs) i'm told um so i guess let's uh i don't want to i don't want it to be uh purely biographical or be hacky and just ask you about Uh, your childhood but yeah were you a weird kid yeah yeah certainly was nice uh yeah i was like a bit of a i felt like an outcast i felt Mm -hmm. like uh I felt extremely alienated. Um, I know that when I heard of the idea of stand-up comedy when I was 10 years old, I knew right then and there that I was going to be a stand-up really? comedian. I hadn't even seen a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I just heard what it was. That you could get up and just talk yeah, and make people laugh. In front of a bunch of people <laughs> and make people laugh. And I, Because I would have like... Uh, I I had like really really bad um, social anxiety my whole life, and I was a very shy kid, and I didn't fit into like my upbringing, and didn't uh, like I was raised very religious, and that was very alienating for me. I didn't buy into it in any way. What what uh what Catholic? Catholic. Okay. So that all you know the whole ritual and they have been messing up children's minds. Mm -hmm at best um for <laughs> and other things, and yeah. other things for a Ugh. very long time they they really have it down and um and so yeah i absolutely 
absolutely hated it and made my childhood uh, very awkward and miserable and and um, and and I didn't have many friends. Uh, the friends that I had thought I was hilarious. I was always like the funniest one in my friend groups or whatever. And those are the nice. people, the very few people that I would like feel comfortable talking to ever <laughs> at all. And then everyone else is just like, here's this shy, lanky kid that we can call names and pick on and won't say anything back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so I've found this. I try to be like funny and just day to day kind mm -hmm. of like interactions. I found that it it really relieves my anxiety socially mm -hmm. um and it i think it puts other people at ease it's like oh he's harmless and mm -hmm. like fun and we yeah. can sort of relax and uh do you do you feel that way do you think i, I don't want to frame it as like an escape from anxiety but it just sort of it's like an amelioration or something like that yeah i mean maybe i i do feel like the I definitely care less about being funny the older that I get. And that could either be that I'm like more comfortable with myself. And some of my early sense of humor was like, a, you know, I, I remember it was like a self-defense from like getting bullied and, and yeah, things yeah. like that. But also just like I had no other way to like make friends or impress girls and, you know, than by making people laugh in the back of the classroom and getting into trouble. Um, and so, but it also might be that I'm like satiated. Like when you, yeah. when you like write jokes for a living, I mean, that's a very small amount of my time these days because mm. I have so many other things going on. But when you like write and then perform jokes for a living, like you, I mean, it's like anything you, 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 you take your favorite thing in life and turn it into something that you do for a living. And yeah do it all day every day and you know <laughs> eventually you go like if, if, if some days it's like i don't want to i don't give a shit about making anyone laugh today if yeah. i make like one more person laugh i'm gonna puke <laughs> <laughs> and, oh and sorry so, sorry i didn't mean to uh, so, yeah yeah <laughs> um so i i uh, i can relate i can relate i mean I, i'm sure with like painting and stuff yeah. like that it's you just get like so sick of your shit sometimes and then like and then you remind yourself how lucky you are to get to have like this awesome interesting right. talent and get to i think the know, way that i of try and move through that or around that is is just like switching up my style every few years oh cool that's the uh it's either the it's a chicken or the egg thing. I'm either saying that because I'm I switch my style up every few years and I don't know why. Yeah. Or I haven't, you know, or it's what I just said, like to keep myself interested to like yeah poke I mean, around in new areas and I feel like I've reinvented myself a number of times in in my career and I started out like. I could have just like stayed on the traditional stand up track mm -hmm. and like I was I was doing pretty well. I, I've, yeah, you I'm, were. I mean, I, I think the first time you came into my consciousness was on uh, Theo Vaughn's podcast about five, six years ago. Yeah, that would have been like 2016 or something. Oh, really? Like OK. Yeah. yeah you, you looked a lot different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, sort yeah. of like this was a COVID thing. Yeah, and then okay. I was deciding what because I do like science themed shows too, and then I do regular stand up, and I didn't know what I was going to. I didn't perform for three years um, because yeah. of COVID, and then getting into other projects and stuff during it. And um, 
and losing interest in stand-up altogether too yeah um but uh i when i decided um that i was going to do a psychedelic show because i saw a clear vision to work with like visual artists which is something that i was always trying to figure out and then once i figured out how i could do that i got interested again and then once i knew i was doing a psychedelic show i was like well i gotta keep this hair and beard for being a psychedelic <laughs> comedian and also it's like most people haven't seen me in three years too it's pretty cool to like... out there so like hey i look totally different now and, and uh we'll see i i i like it a beard a beard's easy to maintain um mm -hmm. the hair is the hair is a bit annoying i must say yeah i mean i've definitely gone through phases where uh i've had long hair yeah, I mean it's pretty. It's kind of long right now, but I yeah. like to shave the sides because it it does this like crusty the clown thing. Mm. <laughs> if I don't keep the sides shaved, it yeah. just looks really, um, you know, silly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess I'm a bit of a vain creature, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I want this hair in extent. my face all the time. Um, well, like for me, it's like just eating and everything. I'm always oh, like, yeah. oh, I forgot. Where's my hairband if i don't have i often will have forgotten it in the car or something and now i yeah. like need to pay attention to how i'm eating to like maneuver <laughs> so that i'm not <laughs> eating your own my hair. hair and into things and i don't know it's a whole i'm supposed to brush it and in, in the shower sometimes and i always i never remember a brush it looks great thanks I'm, it I'm, looks great I don't know how ladies do it. Like th this yeah. is this is like year two or three um, of having long hair, and um, and I just started going out with needs a bit of a trim right now. My girlfriend currently um, is a uh, well, uh, my current girlfriend is a former uh, sh uh, hairdresser. Yeah. So, so she's looking at your split ends to, and yeah, I do have some split ends right now. We were just talking about how that's, that's a project for this week is okay. going to be a haircut day. So. Nice. Did, did the beard recently. That, it's just like a lot more decisions to make when you decide <laughs> to have more hair. Yeah, true. You, you Yeah. I've, I've grown the beard out too. It's, and these days I just let it grow out for a few days and then I just, shave it up i've got an electric shaver so yeah. it's just super easy and yeah but i used to have scruff like yours too and yeah. it's like you still gotta like remember to do it and not uh, not let it get it's too the long neck, and it's then... the neck beard that i i could just let if it would just grow like this i would be yeah. totally fine but i don't like these scraggly neck hairs it reminds me of like um yeah i don't know just like eastern kentucky for some reason oh, you know yeah <laughs> like beards. where my family's from um Speak, you were talking about eating earlier and uh watch me try and smoothly segue this uh i'm already in, impressed thank you thank you should we take an applause break um <laughs> so i've heard a lot of comedians talk about sort of um this idea of like eating shit um in meaning like trying new jokes out on stage and then not quite working and you're getting just this like dead silent crowd and you're yeah. bombing and like and i think it's that's time. i think that's um in a lot of ways that that sort of like journey in comedy of like having to just you know be like a opening act for years and just 
kind of sucking for a while is a lot of the I mean, same even way when as, you're really good you yeah. can have like jokes that on most nights even if it's with tried and true material jokes that on like most nights do really well like yeah maybe just something was slightly off with your delivery or you didn't hit enough or just like the yeah the 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 venue you know a lot of times the venue matters a lot mm-hmm. or like um what what's yeah. like the do you have like a salient experience something that you can remember really well oh yeah of eating shit like do you have any good eating shit stories i guess yeah it was like uh i think it was like captain brian's <laughs> off the hook comedy and uh in is this a venue or a festival or no there's a venue wow. it's in i think marco island um florida i believe marco, okay marco island all great things happen in florida yeah and it's like where um it's where like trust fund <laughs> preppy douchebags like vacation mm-hmm. that are, and and it's like a real like a you know it's real like loafer heavy i lived in malibu for a couple years i'm not yeah (laughs) and that's a loafer heavy but that's a different sort of thing yeah these are like exceedingly pretentious like that think they're better than everyone but have like no like that's based on nothing right whatsoever that their parents have money yeah, yeah and and uh and just some of the yeah dumbest shittiest people uh and and i remember it was like i was kind of reinventing myself and starting to do like more science material and everything and and i was excited because my act was coming along and i was getting ready to record a hour special nice um and uh, i was also you know experimenting with some new looks and stuff that i wasn't it wasn't quite working for me like new i i think at the time i was like wearing uh i was trying to like wear a suit on stage (laughs) okay how that i've gone through a lot of iterations i try to never uh keep the same look for for too long yeah yeah and but wearing a suit on stage is the single least comfortable oh um, i can only imagine caricature and that's that's something that that i that i think most people don't think about when they think about stand-up comedy or at least i don't um is like the way that you're presenting yourself visually it's like i guess that that you know it we're gives visual off a different cre- signal yeah, 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 yeah. you know yeah. if i'm wearing a suit versus whether i'm wearing this versus whether i have like for i, I started my my residency um i i had a small residency at area 15 in vegas which is where my current show started it was it's a show that combines um uh, uh my psychedelic comedy and storytelling and bits of science info and stuff along the way combines that with visual arts so i have a live vj and there's like you know a couple artists that were layering some of their work and he makes original stuff and and so it's like going along with my with my set to add that kind of visual component um as well and uh and something that i always wanted to do and so once i found the right person to partner with it was really exciting so but then i was like well this is vegas even though it's area 15 and you know it's area 15 it's not a casino it's like a weird yeah yeah immersive psychedelic art 
hub, right. I guess. And because it's Vegas and Vegas has like everything's a little tacky in Vegas. It, I, I mean, everything is at minimum a little tacky. <laughs> and then it's it ranges from a little tacky to obnoxiously tacky. Yeah. It's part of the charm if you're in the right mood. Sure. That's just like there is not a single thing here that doesn't have like a layer of tackiness over it. <laughs> and it's just like so over the top. Tacky. I, I went there once. Um, I flew. My parents and I and my brother and his wife, we all flew into Vegas from different spots to go to like the Grand Canyon and uh, the Arches National Park and all that stuff. And uh, so me and my dad and my brother went out one night and it was just like, I just, you know, I was not in the mood, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it just kind of like, I think it gave me that disgust kind of like, right. Um, what would you call it? Reaction. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, you got to be in the mood for it. And there's been times I've been in Vegas. I'm like, I hate this place so much, but the, the idea of doing it in a place like area 15, that was kind of built for as like a hub for, to attract people within the psychedelic community, kind of like up, permanent burning man building of sorts right. some of it's a little like spencer's gifty but mm -hmm. but and it hasn't still doesn't know exactly what it is but it is a cool interesting space and so um we we uh built it um for for that and then i was like i can't i can't be in this like it's one it's in vegas <laughs> and two it's it's this whole like crazy trippy building anyway so i can't just wear like normal casual clothes like i normally yeah. would so i so i started kind of looking around one one company i like a lot freeborn design um was was one that i found that was just like yes i want to look like a psychedelic willy wonka of <laughs> yeah. sorts and so yeah. i have like a very I have a very trippy suit that's like, it's just, I like finding things that are, I find some of the Burning Man outfits to be too much. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. But, Everyone's a captain or, you know. Yeah, and, and so th <laughs> this is like, I like finding things that are just like right on the edge of obnoxious, but not quite. Nice. Like the stuff that I wear, I'll, I'll go around in public and wear it and, and it's like, it doesn't, like some things are like whoa that's a really cool suit and then when it goes just a little too far people are like what is this halloween like yeah. why are you <laughs> yeah, dressed yeah. like that in, in public and so finding things that uh so so that's a new that's a new iteration speaking of nice. wardrobes but it changes every time you reinvent yourself on stage you're nervous about i don't know if it's like when you show a new piece that's in a new style for people, if you're like, how's this going to go? I, I'm over? very, uh, you know, I'm several, several degrees removed from an immediate visceral reaction from people. Mm -hmm. Even if it's in a gallery, mm -hmm. it's like, I, you can watch sort of people's reaction, but like I've, I've done like open mics a few times. It's mm -hmm. so, it's, it's just, totally two different opposite things like yeah if you're saying something and people are like thinking that that's stupid and not funny you feel it oh. even if they are like haha and kind of giving yeah, you like a pity yeah, laugh yeah. or something it's like 
Um, yeah, so yeah. it's it's very different. But the I would say the trade-off is that like sort of the dopamine that I get from making a good piece or selling selling a piece is the is is like killing. Yeah, yeah. But not even I would say that the the rush of like doing well on a stage even for 5 minutes, which is the only thing I've experienced is like way up here. Yeah, yeah. D- adrenaline dopamine i'm sure other neurotransmitters that i don't know shit about yeah, yeah. are just like just flooded my brain and i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah it was kind of scary actually yeah yeah <laughs> I, I was scared when i started and then along the way like you know you find yourself as a well-established comedian but slightly reinventing themselves and you're in uh captain brian's <laughs> off the hook comedy club oh, and yeah. like like there was people just walking out like not i mean i actually think that say uh, you know a usual room of like maybe 200 people or something like that yeah you you, you walk like five people uh, i think that's kind of like a good sign if anything yeah you shouldn't most comedy it shouldn't be for everybody right and right. and um and so yeah you're gonna walk a few people this is like i walked like half the room it was like it Ooh. was so crazy and this was like material that i was just and it was like it wasn't even that it was like offense they were offended or something like they were just like so bored oh. by me too so it's just absolutely brutal cried after that one i've only cried twice after really? a show. one one was there and another one was in a casino um in connecticut casino rooms are awful um that mm-hmm. was the other thing that was, was there like, smoking inside uh yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's not the, yeah i know that's, that's not, not the worst the bad thing, thing. <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah I, I i can handle some secondhand smoke it's it's the it's that it's that the room is like filled with people that lost their children's college fund oh, yeah playing uh poker yeah uh, or blackjack or something and and then the casino like gave them a comp for a comedy show <laughs> because they, they lost enough money to the casino <laughs> that they're like here's this ticket that's like here's a a your consolation prize. value or whatever yeah and yeah so, and then they've been like staring at a slot machine for the last three days straight and they're just like completely brain dead now and just oh have God. been like it, and and so and now they're like withdrawing and and then they're thinking about when the how they're gonna like win their money back when they go back it's just (sighs) the worst audiences ever that's why i was excited to work with area 15 in vegas and still am we'll 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 reconnect when i'm done taking the show on the on the road um but um because it's not a casino and so it's like that was the only way i was ever gonna do something a residency in vegas was yeah. like cannot be a casino crowd yeah yeah i worked at um a racetrack in college yeah in kentucky and um it was Ouch. very sad it was like not even not even just thoroughbred racing where the jockey rides on the back it was like it was like car- carriage race they were like it was like a horse one horse and a guy in like a like two wheel kind of carriage thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just it was at the Red Mile. Shout out Red Mile. Um, but I had to walk around with like so was, the it, betting machine the, on my shoulder. Yeah, and you'd go up to guys who were just, I mean, 
and it's uh, it's always it's mostly guys yeah for yeah. some reason i don't know why but um oh. it was it was it, it, it it's sad you know it's kind of like just it's really depressing i had to like quit and i the reason i yeah. mentioned uh the cigarette smoke is it just i'm trying to sort of like give someone the ambiance of the place oh, who's never been yeah. there you know like tacky gross um like real degenerate um like pretending to be high class but yeah it's it's uh so you just losing your family's money on <laughs> chariot racing is yeah it's wild brutal it's so wild um so how long like how long did you have sort of the traditional comedy career before you started having like uh, a science sciencey set or like a psychedelic yeah. set uh 2004 is when i started comedy yeah um uh i was within six months i started in boston I, i'm from wisconsin originally i started i moved to boston i started comedy <clears throat> there within six months i was like I had quite a bit of buzz within the local Boston really? scene, and nice. then within, uh, within like a, a, you know, another like year or something like that, I, I was doing pretty well. Like 2006, I I was a finalist in the Boston Comedy Festival. Oh, and that nice! Was like a, that was a big thing, and then that got me in this HBO Aspen Comedy Festival, and uh, that was like the. It, at the time it was it no longer exists but um it was the about the biggest festival a young comic could be in and then i won an award um for best stand-up at that i was in early 2007 and then i got to like go on and whatever i wanted um and so i did some appearances on conan and got you know those comedy central spots and things that i'd been dreaming of and so that was that was, uh, you know, three in entering year three, things were already taking off for me. And that's like, that's a good, like eight, 10 years earlier than, than, um, yeah. the most optimistic, um, scenarios usually. And so I was also arrogant enough at the time because of all of that to just assume that I could just do whatever. And yeah. like also like not do any, like I could not be into like acting or any industries things and just be a comedy purist and like keep on and so then i i was by 2009 i had a i recorded a half hour special and i was prepping an hour special and when i was done putting it together um i had like a I just wasn't happy with, I was like this. So then, and then I'll just like keep making an hour special of like just yeah. random jokes that are like slightly shock value or whatever. And and I, it, it, but like getting away with it in an aw shucks way <laughs> while also being cerebral. That was like kind of my <laughs> shtick, I suppose. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think that one of the reasons why we reinvent ourselves as artists is, is because, and now that I know a little bit more about kind of neuroscience and, and psychology and everything is, is like really those kind of flow states that you're, you're getting into, you're doing something that, that, that like basically you, you want something that is 
just outside your comfort zone yeah like too long in your comfort zone and you're gonna get bored and right. and uh and then and then too far outside of your comfort zone and you're gonna get insecure and mm-hmm. everything and and uh but just if you can be like just outside of your comfort zone and uh uh, on a regular basis so it's like okay i do a lot of short jokes then i'm then i'm touring uh where i'm doing longer sets and now it's like sure my stuff kills for 20 30 minutes but 45 minutes to an hour and people start kind of getting a little uh used to my rhythm a little mm-hmm. too used to my rhythm and so like okay i better throw some like stories in there and that was like a little scary and challenging to figure out how to be a storyteller and then yeah. like okay now how how do i like sometimes do like um little more like one person sketches here and there during a thing and yeah. like or, or maybe a character from time to time so just like kept on trying to do things outside of my comfort zone and doing a themed show was one of those things and and really i was just grasping at straws i knew I knew after like when I I got that half hour Comedy Central special that was like that was all my goal was before I started comedy it was like I if I got one of those I will have made it of course yeah. I didn't have any clue at the time but um and I got that like really quickly so then I was just kind of like well now what and yeah. um and so so that's and and then it was like now i have this platform and i want to say important things with this and not just jokes for jokes sakes and and so i didn't know at the time i was like hey maybe i'd want to like be a writer on the daily show or something Mm -hmm. like that and and so i started like watching the news constantly (laughs) for a while to watch uh, to write like topical jokes and I did that for like a year um, before I was like, yeah, I really, I definitely, that is not how I want to say something meaningful yeah, at yeah. all. And like everyone else. And it's like, not, ev- I like evergreen things that like jokes that will work forever and not just right. like topical. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, science, I, I'm surprised it took me so long, but it was probably, it was probably like uh, seven years into my, career that i like really committed to six or seven years in that i really committed to like oh i'm like i spend all of my pastime yeah like when i'm not blackout drunk or sometimes even when i am (laughs) i'm spending my pastime like reading um you know about physics or biology or whatever part of it first stemmed from me being just an angsty atheist when I was younger is what originally got me into science so I could argue with people. So I, I got <laughs> nice. into science to be a dick, not to be smart. <laughs> and, um, so and, do, do you, uh, did you go to school for it at all or no. were you just straight out? No, I, I never, I never cared about school. I actually didn't even like science in school. I, and I didn't, uh, I didn't go to college. Um, I didn't see how that was going to help become a comedian True. i actually i actually wish i would have understood the value of an education <laughs> um and just learning generally yeah um ahead of time but um but yeah i i i don't really um i yeah i i think that um I and and maybe it was because I didn't go to college, but I wanted to know things, and I was like insecure about having not gone to college and um, not, uh, you know, in, in a state of 
arrested development whatever it was i i've always read tons of science books and then i um i mean i'm a slow reader but it's i spent a lot of time reading books so you're probably like digesting it deeply yeah and i and i just like never i never even put the idea together that like you could blend this with your comedy like it just like never even occurred to me it was like what i did comedy was like my nine to five yeah yeah. to like relax i would read science books and and so then once i had the idea of like oh maybe i could um yeah that that kind of changed everything for me so by 2010 to 11 something like that 12 i started because i started reaching out to i didn't i was in la at the time i was like maybe i'll put together some local shows with like you know i'll be able to have some science scientists on stage and do like a variety show that's that's yeah half comedy half science and i was maybe gonna put put together like a pitch a show about like the science of mating behavior and and stuff and nice and so um because that that was that seemed like a smooth transition from being like a foul-mouthed comedian to a science guy was <laughs> why not like start the with the mating, mating behavior yeah, yeah. and and i thought that would be like more palatable for uh for people and then like the more that i you know you 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 read a book about you start reading a book about insect dicks because you think it will be funny and then you, you end up being like <laughs> holy f- fuck like when you learn about some of these like evolutionary underpinnings that drive all of life yeah that sure might just be explaining a fly penis in this particular (laughs) instance but like then it applies to just all of life and you start seeing it um then i just got like so obsessed and then i think by like 2012 or something like that i had just abandoned being a regular comedian i just like i went to the same clubs that i was like getting booked at that like really liked me yeah i burnt bridges with the chance because i'd show up and then i had like uh you know science i would be i would uh, do like these themed shows and no one was doing that yeah it wasn't something i invented it was all over the place in europe but no one in the u.s was doing like themed shows yeah and um, do you ever play a gig in europe yeah yeah and yeah. so i've done some around and i did the embero uh fringe festival which is like a month long oh yeah yeah thing. i've heard that's i've like heard of that insanely challenging it's like four thousand shows a day or something like that the average attendance for shows like four people or something <laughs> it's crazy wild um and uh yeah it's just like half the comedians of the world all trying to like win an award there to catch a break um and then um i i figured out um like a way to do it that made me happy yeah that i was comfortable with and i seemed like audiences were liking more and more yeah and then i organically um like took a chance on a psychedelic show it was like the weirdest thing like why that all happened i always had psychedelic jokes and i always assumed i would do a psychedelic themed show eventually mm-hmm. i thought shane moss was going to have to be like a household name or something like that before, before i could take a chance gotcha, on like yeah. this subject that was taboo i it never occurred to me that i could book a show as like psychedelic comedy show and yeah, hosted yeah. by a guy that you may or may not have heard of <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know and then once i figured that out it was just 
so lovely that it was like, um, you, you know, because I still had the, even if people didn't know who I was, I still had the the pedigree of like, this guy's been on Conan and right, Comedy yeah, Central. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just like some schmuck making a psychedelic it's not, comedy show. You it's know, not just a veteran comedian. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, it, it turned out to be a really lovely way to get people to listen to me blab about perception and consciousness and the and cognitive biases and the things that I actually care about more yeah. than comedy. Um, but in a fun way and, and, um, and certainly, I mean, now I feel like with the psychedelic stuff, I'm, I'm living, um, um, a past Shane's dream. Um, nice. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, this one's for you, buddy. Yeah, you worked yeah. real hard 20 years ago or whatever, and your mind would be fucking blowing if you knew oh, what yeah. I was doing now. But like, isn't that how wild. much do I care? Uh, yeah. I don't know. What is time? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and and so it's, it's so the the point is is like marketing a show that's like, hey, come in, come to a comedy show about cognitive biases or about <laughs> yeah, yeah. neuroscience or whatever. It's not it's not that. And I have advertised shows like that. Yeah, and, and, and I've figured out how to do that too. And that is fun and it's own get... right. But it's more it's more kind of sellable it's like sure sure it's a it's a lovely it's a lovely kind of like gimmick to get people into more cerebral thought right yeah it's a trait you trojan horse them with the psychedelics and then you release yeah, all the cognitive bias and well science is so like uh, unfortunately associated with like you know, you know people my age is like we grew up watching like revenge of the nerds or whatever yeah, 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 and so yeah. like that's the it's like oh bill gates boring and that so, kind of thing yeah, yeah. so it's like no this is like this is about our perception our interpretations of life the way that the ways that we behave the 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 odd ways in which we um uh, we spend money and, yeah. and like the things that we do to a to attract a potential mate and <laughs> and advertise for status and, and it's just well, endlessly think, fascinating right. and applicable and I, at the end of the day i think it is so funny but but it's because just life is so funny and the truth of it is so fucking bizarre that any of us are here and get to experience this or learn about any of these things that our ancestors never were privy to like understanding some of these evolutionary principles and stuff yeah that, that realizing that this is like a four and a half billion year old work in progress that we get to be a, a part of. And, and so I, I just, I think science is cool as fuck. And, yeah. and oh, yeah. I think that it still has this like perception of being like squares. And now there's like the conspiratorial side of it. Like, <laughs> what are these scientists up to? I don't understand. Are yeah. They, yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I think that uh, doing it, blending it with psychedelics is a way to like make science cool, you know? Yeah, and oh, for sure. So it's a fun way to like trick people into listening to me blab about the things that I actually care about. Because I, I, think, I think psychedelics are, are uh, a means to an end and not the end in, in, in and right. of itself. Right, like right. I agree. I think, uh, you know, reality in and of itself is trippy as hell mm -hmm. you know it, it it's how it, i op i open my shows with like yeah basically that similar like this is my thesis statement for yeah, the yeah. show it's that all of reality is a trip and then yeah. like it's easy to forget because we get so used to it and i'm going to keep on reiterating that like 
throughout this yeah throughout this show man okay i might have to check my notes here to see where we go from yeah, here yeah check them out because i have i'm I have lost a... I, i'm out of i'm out of words you hear how fast i was talking you were going there? man yeah, i was like let was... me get a word in it was great no, it was I, great i saw you think i didn't notice you trying to talk i noticed i'm like i'm gonna keep on I'm i was about power to power right through this. i was about to go and do a display of dominance uh, like yeah. a chimp empire <laughs> good, good, good <laughs> have you luck. seen that show you, what's that it's uh chimp empire on netflix it's, oh have you seen I, it oh i just started i just watched uh i just i i'm on uh episode two right they've now. named them all uh so jackson the alpha male it's just i find it hilarious oh yeah when so his display of dominance he's the alpha in the group and the chips will all just be sitting around chilling like lounging eating whatever they eat and uh he just sort of looks around because he's got to display his dominance and he's just like and he gets up and just basically does like aggro parkour while throwing oh, yeah. limbs through the oh yeah the jungle no, and I stuff saw, i saw jackson that was yeah, first yeah. episode stuff right it was yeah, yeah. oh man i don't know yeah. why it's just and so i kept joking with uh sarah that i'm gonna go out into the the parking lot out here and start you throwing should. sticks around. you should throw some <laughs> sticks around it, uh, it's it's surprising although you know i will say that it's uh context is everything um and I, i'm sure oh, there was, sure i'm sure there was a time in uh even human, human ancestral yeah. past where where throwing some sticks around oh like, yeah oh don't mess with that guy we've we basically now just you see someone throwing sticks around in the street you're like hey you're like we, is it do we help him or yeah, yeah. do we like, <laughs> just let him go we let him go i think <laughs> yeah. i think we ignore it i think we try to forget that with the that we all used to be like that yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we're just more refined in our uh displays and our status games yeah at this point, i barely right? throw poop anymore yeah <laughs> very rarely and, it's so archaic yeah i know and, and, and in fact it's 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 more of a a, a sign of like you know it, it's like like if i throw poop at you it's like you should be you should honored uh, honored really because <laughs> yeah. it's like you really like did something special that's well, like a once twice a year thing tops nice well so like speaking of like the status game mm -hmm. do you I mean, I know that I fall victim to this sometimes. How do you deal with like the comparison game or like the the whole status game? Are you have you totally divorced yourself from that in in the comedy realm or even in the science realm? Um, I find myself sort of uh, doom scrolling like any good millennial, and uh, and just having to like throw the phone. Uh, across the room like i would you know sticks in the jungle yeah, and yeah just to like get rid of it um so i i oscillate um sometimes between being like knowing that this this object in my hand is very bad for me but not sometimes being able to pull away mm -hmm. and i think that they've sort of tapped like into like Instagram. the status game I, I gotta be honest with you, you. I, no i like oh it. you do I do enjoy yeah, yeah. instagram I didn't think that I would ever like a social media ever. And I didn't even start using Instagram till COVID, which was mm. like however many years behind yeah, sure, the sure. game. And like, 
I started like I was forced by my representation to like go on MySpace back in the day, like forced <laughs> and then forced to like. Who were your top eight? By, uh, <laughs> I'm oh just my kidding. god! I mean, so I I caught I caught my break and had res uh, um representation in 2007, and so that wow. was uh, that was that was April 2007. So that was that was at the time like Dane Cook had right. proved that like. Hey, if you really figure out this MySpace thing, like you can really <laughs> launch and you know, he's doing like stadiums or whatever. Yeah. And then um and then Facebook came along and it was like you better get and and so Facebook was already kind of established ish and then and then like uh Twitter was right behind that of like you need to get on Twitter and I I just started as using those platforms to just like say just like obnoxiously like trivial things to sure. like uh, you know to be funny just to be funny like that was like my sense of humor at the time was like i always liked pushing buttons and boundaries and stuff that's part of the reason why i got into the science stuff was because i just got so fucking bored with that yeah that like it was like at first it was in the beginning like stand on stage and see if you can like get away with this like fisting joke or, or whatever <laughs> and 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 still get a laugh and then like that just got so boring over time that then it was like well now i wonder if if i can like play with uh the the you can get the same thing of like violating um a social norm by seeing how long you can go with like setting up a high concept or like the the now now to get that same rush i i see how long i can go without a laugh like intentionally yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, 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 can i go like two minutes with that like that's an incredible amount of time yeah for a stand-up comedian to go and i like, can better really pay off you yeah, know, yeah if you did that yeah and and so that kind of um became my my thing but but that was and so and and so that was my whole relationship with social media was like I always hated it, yeah. and then uh, and now on Instagram, I watch a lot of like this dog became friends with a goat. And yeah, the goat's like blind, and the dog leads it. Or so you're not watching and... other stand-ups or anything. I'm so bored by you, comedians. Yeah, I guess I I I just went on a because um, Vegas was like a harder sell than like that's part of why I'm touring and being on the road the way you market to like a Vegas crowd is like it's like a three four day turnaround of people being in the where I'm used to like oh right marketing where I'm like getting the word out a month in advance of like me going through a city and so I kind of know how to do all of that and so it was just like very frustrating and like hey maybe this stupid psychedelic gimmick isn't gonna go anywhere anyway and so i was like maybe i'll just do regular stand-up again and um and so i started watching like some of the best stand-up out there and i was just like okay some of it's fine you know yeah. and i just i've seen I've seen. I used to watch stand-up comedy. I used to watch like multiple specials a day. Like, who who were your uh, influences before like you started? Stephen Wright, Emo Phillips, nice. and then like eventually like Zach Galifianakis and stuff yeah. like that. As as I was getting older, those were the guys that were coming up that I was like really impressed by. That I I always liked absurdist type things. Yeah, yeah. like Doug Stanhope was kind nice. of like this rebellious like degenerate but very clever um, yeah yeah like a, a lot of like the shock value crap that 
that a lot of com- new comedians will try to do, but it's just so boring. It's like hacky and, and hacky, silly. but he yeah. does it in like such a clever, interesting way. So I really liked people like that, but I would watch bad comedy constantly too. And like, <clears> I enjoyed <throat> watching bad comedy and then you spend enough time in the game and now it's just like, I just don't care. I don't know if it's like that with painting or just like uh, another fucking fractal or whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, like you can't yeah. do it anymore. But. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't, I've personally, I guess like I've gotten a lot better than when I started. It sounds like you, had a knack for it like right away i was exceptionally good immediately like if yeah. you if you saw my old stuff you it's it's i'll say i'll be the first to say it's just not good it's like not very good yeah um yeah i feel so, like if anything i got like worse at moments really over time as i yeah, tried yeah. to challenge myself and reinvent yeah. myself yeah. so i mean for me it's I, I i'm maybe a kind of a slow learner or a slow mm-hmm. adapter but i've I did get to a point where I was kind of like, all right, well, what do I paint now? And so now it's been more about sort of like trimming the fat off of an idea mm-hmm. and more about like playing with like optical, like actual, I I don't, I couldn't articulate this, but the science of seeing. Yeah. Rather yeah, yeah, than yeah. like. Yeah. Perception's um, incredible. Yeah. Um, um, so you I, watch has, OK Go videos at all? OK Go. Uh, is that a band? They, 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 yeah, that's a band. They. I they, don't think they, I have. They, or no, the guys that are in the airplane that like float around. Yeah, that's that, one of them. One yeah, of those videos. Yeah, okay, they, yeah, yeah. But they they do some stuff playing around with optical illusions and, and things like that that are very clever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they they fascinate me so much. Um. You know, you you hung out at Thereda this weekend, and the 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 term people use is visionary art. Wearing a Thrada shouts thing right now. Shouts I, to oh, Pete. Some Chambers project too. Oh, uh, I got two different psychedelic gallery the things going well, right now. Yeah, uh, but the the term visionary art gets bandied about a lot. Yeah, yeah. And to me, like optical illusion is is actually visionary art because it's literally visionary art, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm kind of playing with that concept recently. So it hasn't gotten totally like boring for me because I don't think it initially I was super duper talented at it. It was just sort of like a thing like you know, I was in a band in college and like I've dabbled in like um, running lights at shows and in stand up. And so it was just kind of a thing that I stuck with mm-hmm. for long enough. And, you know, I think if you just stick around with something, eventually you like get good enough to have a piece or two in a gallery every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, so cool. Yeah. I love your stuff. And I and I love that you incorporate those those uh those elements because it's i mean it, it's like i follow a lot of scientists on on twitter so i i get to you know some of them are often sharing various like visual illusions and nice. you know little study why why does this person see this color and this and yeah i like i love when those little things pop up yeah it's funny because i follow like i follow obviously a shit ton of artists but follow a bunch of comedians Mm. on instagram too so i'm kind of like following what you do as like a nine to five and then you're following the science 
yeah 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 i i I, yeah and i it's funny because i yeah i almost never post on instagram and i don't um and i don't i follow a lot of comedians but i don't i have to say i'm usually zipping right by them yeah um just because you're just just bored with the medium you think whatever yeah for the most part but i I, like i will say like i there's this guy james acaster this english guy Mm -hmm. has a four-part special on netflix and uh and I saw that during this time when I was like, Ugh, I, don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't like traditional <laughs> comedy anymore. And um, I mean, I've been doing this about 20 years now. Yeah. And, and, um, and, you know, intensely studying comedy before I ever started. Um, and, and, but then, you know, I found, found someone that I was like, it was really inspiring because he is someone that does like really absurdist stuff, but does it in a long form mm-hmm. way. And I'm like, that's interesting. That's I've done long form and I've done absurdist, but I haven't combined them um, together. Uh, and uh, and so smart and his precision. I used to be a very precise um, comedian, and then uh, would like, you like trim words out of sentences and stuff? Oh yeah, I would. I would write. I would like record my sets. I would listen to like how long a joke was. I would like write that down. I would like rate the joke. I would look yeah. at the words and see what words I could pull out, and then I would like see how many like laughs per minute i was getting and what the strength of so you were you were, were doing like uh analytics before like you know the the tech analytics of today yeah on your I, own set uh, uh math was the only subject that i ever cared about really was good at in, in school and uh, nice. and for me com- comedy was very mathematical i thought the timing was ah. very mathematical and i and i thought that I thought uh, I thought there was like formula. I, I always thought of jokes in in terms of like a formula. Sure. Um, like building tension in this way here before relieving it before this pause here um, with a tag here equals, you know, this. And, and so so I always kind of like viewed it as a through a mathematical lens. And that made me feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning because I had like so much control over it and then as I got more comfortable with myself on stage and as a performer I'm much more now I'm much more like um I guess my vibe is just uh, a friend that you're hanging out with nice. that is you know has you're like you've loosened the reins a little bit yeah, yeah yeah so it's a lot more improvised and stuff nice uh you want to take a pause just for a sec sure cool and we're back. Hello. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to talk about uh, psychedelics for a bit. Yeah, let's do it. Because uh, this is uh, ostensibly an art podcast, but we tend to talk about, or I tend to talk about psychedelics a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I guess I'll just ask a really basic, silly question. Uh, what's your favorite? Mushrooms. Mushrooms? Yeah, I mean... And what and why? <laughs> I mean, I'm getting into two CB. Oh yeah, uh, that's I, a isn't that like a sixteen hour? Two CB? Oh no! Wait, what's two CB? Is like four. I shows mean, you it how could much be up I to like know. Six hours, absolutely lovely. It's a little more like a MDMA kind of in the body, like <laughs> warm feeling without like the 
grindy speediness of it and then visually like mushrooms i would i would say um and but clear-headed it's a it's like the most clear-headed psychedelic that there is i mean nice we don't really know what is and isn't a psychedelic and like how to categorize these things sure. exactly but let's call it in the realm of that and um and i yeah so i go through trends it, it just depends so i can tell you like mushrooms uh for me best for depression best for creativity um, okay and uh and like say writing material coming up with novel ideas uh planning out like a path forward uh in life uh lsd is my least favorite um but probably like I would maybe do it at a festival if I was going to be like hanging out all day and I just wanted something that was like very functional, but like put a little glitter Fun. on the edges of, yeah. of things and, and gave a bit of energy. And uh, I knew I wasn't going to have a chance for a nap that day. Yeah. My body is used to napping on a yeah. regular basis. Yes. And so um, little LSD would help there. MDMA is like pretty good for connecting. I thought I was doing um, last night. I thought I was. Uh, I thought I maybe got my hands on uh, Quaalude, um, which was very exciting. <laughs> and then uh, I, I don't know I don't if know I've if ever it had a Quaalude. Wasn't a Quaalude, or e either the person what they thought was a Quaalude wasn't, or they did say they're like ah, I marked these. I didn't like mark these correctly, so I don't think this is the quaalude. <laughs> i was like very excited to try it yeah and that and so uh, we we did a we, we thought we're quaaludes and we we're like oh no, we'll turn on wolf of wall street and like have, <laughs> yeah. have a laugh and then it turned out to be more whatever it was it was much closer to mdma and then really? like i have too much empathy right now yeah to be watching wolf of wall it'll street make you cry instead of like, laugh yeah and, <laughs> yeah and so uh and so i yeah so M mdma buys with my girlfriend um and uh and also a business partner too and so it was like we were we were having this lovely you know heartfelt conversation about our our business goals and and stuff like that as as we're as we're just getting ready to launch um yeah talk my about my purple lady yeah talk uh, about that for a minute november 1st um my and, purple lady yeah if you go to mypurplelady.com <laughs> and join the email list there might even be pre-sale pre stuff available by the time you're watching this but yeah i've uh it started with uh, just a just a boy with a dream, which was to uh, <laughs> give give people a, a psychoactive experience that isn't alcohol um, yeah. during a show. And and because yeah. when I started doing psychedelic shows, people were like, "Oh, is there gonna be like mushrooms at the show and stuff?" And I found that so annoying. Yeah. But then after a while, I was like, "Well, what would it look like to do something that like?" everyone could be on the same page but still it was something that like you could watch a comedy show too so you're not like laid out on the floor uh, yeah k-holing or whatever else and so um i started experimenting with amanita muscaria years ago um, and that's legal i just found out yeah 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 it's illegal because <laughs> it's, awesome. oh, it's not psilocybin oh, okay um and and so <laughs> it's psilocybin that's illegal not you know obviously not in Denver. mushrooms <laughs> and not in denver yeah um I don't even know what the, like the laws are. and then but like federally that's that's the other right. thing too is like people forget like they federally they can still and they, they do sometimes come, come like in. like when sometimes when these like laws have been enacted like someone will go on the news and be like 
hey yeah look i'm growing mushrooms <laughs> now and it's great and then and then the feds will be like you know what let's just like make an example yeah, out yeah. Of this so that people don't get too like too cocky uh, yeah too <laughs> cavalier about this stuff so amanita muscaria is just like basically never regulated and so nice so it's like a gray area in in that like is this a supplement so it falls under supplement laws that's kind of like as it is right now and supplement yeah. laws are honestly so fucking shady but like you know why right. not why not use the system that uh i i think supplements are so goddamn shady but now i find myself in the supplement business because <laughs> i want to provide a psychoactive effect for for people and that's like a a way of like it's very unregulated and and yeah. so it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of just placebo crap being peddled and then and then like uh and then blue lotus um but the, but the the idea is 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 that uh i i work with someone who who goes around the world finding like kind of obscure plants that are uh, uh like historically had some uh ritualistic use uh like, like egyptians would put uh blue lotus in their wine and it'd be like often an aphrodisiac it's my first time stuff. having it by the way are you feeling it at all yeah oh yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah it feels yeah, good I, yeah it's like it's it's nuanced yeah. it's mild you're not gonna freak out right it's, right i'm just starting to feel mine a little bit we yeah have like two little gummies before. i didn't really eat anything today so that, that makes might... it so all that makes a difference we're, yeah. we're, we're gonna have it in a lot of different forms so you can take it in different like we'll yeah. have little drinks and stuff like that so so it'll hit you in different ways depending on what what form that it's in but lovely lovely little social drug it's and nice. it like yeah. takes away social anxiety and and um and so yeah that's the idea is like eventually i'll be able to people will be able to come to my show have a little like blue lotus or amanita muscaria before the show and then like i do material about like the history of this stuff and as you're feeling the effects <laughs> and then um and and so uh it's just this like really neat idea that was like honestly scary as fuck to actually pursue because of, sure. like, it's not just like the legality of things, which, you know, I checked and double checked and, you know, <laughs> it's a large portion of the proceeds of my products quite generously go to the lawyers and supporting their families. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and, you know, figuring out what, and, and, you know, there, there might, there, there, very likely with some of these things may get regulated eventually and there there's yeah. often going to be like a cat and mouse sort of situation quite honestly and 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 um you know fda or whatever saying like hey you can't you can't do this and you need to cease and desist and like okay well, i'll do this other thing instead it's a whole it's a whole weird business and it's a it's it's hard it's a lot of effort to do right and fortunately like i've partnered with someone that has like a Two hundred thousand square foot manufacturing, and they were oh, like nice. very early in the CBD game, and as like just about as much experience as you could have doing this. And they st they started within the sustainability um, industry, and so um, uh, like decades ago, and so and so they they often are like really focused on kind of doing things on the up and up and in yeah. sustainable ways because also st sustainability is functional and 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 profitable and it's just like sure short-sighted to skip the the sustainability aspect of it so it like costs a little more up front but then you have 
something that's a product more people like, but it is also more efficient over time. And so it's like this whole project that blends really well with everything that I do. You know what it's like? I, I did a festival last year um, as I had the show Mind Under Matter with an artist friend of mine, Rumi Nazer, and we put together this festival and and the first year was successful, although it lost money, but it was successful. Every first year festival does. Right, it was right. an investment and everyone loved it. And we we're looking at doing a, a year or two. And, and um, anyway, with, within that, like one of the things that we realized was like, ah, I don't like like tental, uh, tent rental companies. And we have people flying from like all over Europe and like Australia and stuff to come to this festival. And, yeah. And so like, how do we provide? And so I like look into it and figure things out. And then like, next thing I know, I'm like, fuck, am I about to start a tent rental business? I think that I might <laughs> have to just to make this festival like happen the way that I want it to with like my vision. And that's sort of like how this happened is like my purple lady. Like I didn't set out to create like a drug or supplement business or yeah, whatever, yeah, 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 but yeah. now it's just like, kind of necessary to make a vision of like a grandiose novel dream to like be able to i like to do things that people haven't right done before yeah, yeah. and that when you asked me the question earlier like do you ever like get jealous of i said well I've, i don't i've yet to like see i don't know who's doing anything right no like one's doing what i'm what doing. you're doing it's yeah. like it's that, like yeah. weird and crazy and like and it and it's also so genuine to me so like yeah. if i actually get some real success with this then like people might be like then agents and managers will start going to their clients like, hey, have you ever thought about putting <laughs> some science in your jokes? Because yeah, everyone's yeah. so fucking desperate that they like yeah, yeah. try to follow whatever's successful at the time. But but as it is right now, like no one's doing this. I like right. produce and I market my own shit and I do uh, front to back. And so and so this has just been so now this has been this interesting and time consuming and challenging project that I've taken on where where we'll find various plants and and then various like combinations of them and making proprietary blends of things and there and and there's you know there's stuff like um there's stuff like uh you know products with I won't give away things that I like actually care about but there's things like you can you know nutmeg can be psychoactive for sure, instance yeah. and it's not it, and and it's so it's also it's not regulated and right. it's also not the sort of thing that you want to just be like taking a chance at yourself right, and right, right. so like actually making a reliable product that i can be like here take two of these gummies right. and within 30 45 minutes you can expect this sort of effect and yeah. i think it was the prediction it's was pretty, pretty much accurate. right on i looked over at the time earlier and we were at about 40 minutes and i was like my face was hurting from smiling. I was like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a smile and answer. And so it's also just like, what a great thing to be able to give people a smile and answer yeah. before a fucking comedy show. Yeah, like, yeah, amazing. And it's not like the, the, um, boozy, like, you, you run the risk of someone heckling you or or whatever it, it is. it's 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 potentially an alcohol replacement in, sure uh, and and which more more and more people aren't drinking anymore are you so it's you're also, not drinking now are you are you you I'm, kind of are i i wasn't drinking the last few months and then i decided i was going to this is our soft launch i came to denver to do to like experiment with like sure. those gummies that i gave you our yeah. like prototypes you know yeah and um and and so i i quit drinking 
and I was like, and then I'll have like some drinks and champagne yeah. during the product launch. Sure. Because I never want to quit drinking forever, but as long right. as I know, like in my, I'm like, I will not drink until this time. Sure, and, yeah. then, uh, and then it's like something I can look forward to, but also I usually don't miss it. It's just, there's yeah. something about the idea of like quitting drinking forever. Yeah. That, like it just fucks with my head in a way that it makes so much it pressure. hard for me to do that. I feel you. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Like I, over, over the lockdowns or whatever, I almost didn't have anything to drink. Yeah, yeah, which was seemed to be like opposite of what everybody else was doing. I was just like, I was kind of in this headspace of like, oh, now the rest of the world will kind of see how I live day to day mm -hmm. because art is never a guaranteed uh, financial thing. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, usually home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. doing this. Yeah, so I was pretty comfortable. Um, but yeah, I think just like really learning to, for me, it's like moderating down and moderating down over the course of my life because i mean i drank a lot when i was really young yeah like yeah a lot and and now like i just can't i can't handle the hangover yeah I, that, I mean that's the thing i actually like i have i have like i i drank i had the party the other night yeah. i was having some some booze and everything and so like you know i didn't get out of control or embarrassed I still like drank like a fair amount and I felt pretty good. And it's just, it's not even like the hangovers that bad for me. Usually it's just mm. that my productivity is down so much. And, and then it's like, I, like I, I'm, I'm firing up my science podcast. Here we are again. And I did the, I took a hiatus from it to put together this show, but it was every week for like eight years before that. Yeah. And you know what that grind can feel oh, like. Yeah. Doing. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been a nice break, but I, I need to fire back up. But like when I, I mean, when I'm talking with scientists each week and it's not, it's, it's not like, Ooh, scientists are so smart. It's just like, say I were to talk to like a mechanic or a carpenter about what they, they did, someone that is a specialist mm -hmm. in something that you aren't familiar with, right. that they know inside and out and there's like yeah. a different vocabulary for and everything else. It is like, it is taxing and challenging trying to like research and get up to speed. Oh, and, yeah. and I just can't like, if I like, so I'll have to make decisions. It's like, well, I'm not really like fucking up or anything right now with alcohol, right. I would say. I'm definitely drinking way too often and like mm -hmm. it'll get to be like all day, every day. Like sometimes I'll like go to brunch, have a mimosa, yeah, yeah. maybe or two, and then go home, take a nap and then have a couple before the show and then have one or two during the show and then maybe hang out with people afterwards. And now it's like next thing I know, I'm like, oh, I drank all day every day and i was just functional ish through it and then there's like there's one functional that's like to get you through a day in a bunch of social situations right sure like yeah social yeah. lubricant great sure but then it's another kind of functional to be like i need to interview someone about who's a uh, <laughs> hyena expert or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. right now and i need to like really learn the science and ins and outs of how hyenas work and and like you just cannot operate at a high nah. level like that when you're when you're doing in my opinion anything on on that regular of a basis sure but sure. but alcohol especially yeah yeah speaking of um interviewing scientists i saw your interview with uh sapolsky 
Uh, my favorite great. scientist yeah. ever. I, well, it was we, so we, unfortunate that his sound was so bad. It was, I, it was, I could understand him. Yeah, it, it was, was bad. It was, I mean, that's kind of what it, you get with it, Zooms. It, it, yeah, it was like his. Uh, there was like people in his house, like making. It was like <laughs> they waited till he was recording to start oh. doing all of the pots and pans in the house. And but but yeah, my favorite sign. I'm actually this is how busy I am. I'm I'm supposed to be like getting back to him to interview him about his new book determined and and um i i just have not had a chance to read it yet yeah for for anybody watching or listening uh check out robert sapolsky s-a-p-o-l-s-k-y yeah. he's a, a neurobiologist so, i got neuro, a neuroscientist and primatologist right okay. who, who who has a, a exceedingly well-rounded I, I mean basically his whole thing he's became he's become popular as a science writer i suppose mm -hmm. as well and 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 much of much of his stuff is about kind of not categorizing things and putting things in buckets and and kind of analyzing the the various different aspects of multiple fields of science that go into understanding a behavior so if a, if, yeah. if a behavior happened what happened moments before in the in the brain that caused that behavior what was the stimulus on the outside that caused that neural behavior what were the hormones that were fluctuate fluctuating hours to days before in the brain then then going back to how was your week month year been what's your financial status your relationship status what was your adolescence like what was your parents parenting style like what was your prenatal environment yeah, yeah, yeah. like and then and then what was your like the ancestral Ancestry. past yeah. that that shaped you and and so that's like it, that's endlessly fascinating to me like take yeah. a single given behavior and try to look through it from all of those lenses and yeah. see what those influences were yeah mind-blowing yeah he's the man he's got a i mean hours and hours of uh, lectures online human behavioral Stanford. biology yeah. course is fantastic and he he also did some through um uh course era i think they eventually no not course era um the teaching company or something i think they changed their name along the way but there are multiple classes with robert sapolsky i've taken all of them they're all so so good i would say yeah. they're probably even better than his books which are also fantastic yeah yeah, I think human behavior is so fascinating. Oh yeah, and um, you know, at risk of committing a party foul here, uh, the more and more I learn, it seems like the idea of a totally free will, like you know, person inside the head acting out uh, things as as a human being is like just totally a myth, just like total bullshit. Yeah, that. Um, that may have been invented actually by, um, or at least ensconced by like Christianity, mm -hmm. because you're either a person willfully committing good good acts and getting you know treats from uh, a guy in the sky, or you're you're being punished for your bad ones. Yeah, right? well, well, it fits really nicely into all these various cognitive biases that we have. The first of which being like egocentrism and thinking that we're at the center of everything. But then there's these kind of fundamental attribution biases where 
where which is like a foundation of a lot of othering and um that comes oh yeah that is yeah, a yeah. byproduct of that egocentrism which is which is that like when something good happens to me it's because i earned it when right. something bad happens to me it's because i i had some a bit of bum luck and the world's unfair or whatever right yeah when something bad happens to someone else it's because they screwed they yeah, earned yeah. that they <laughs> they did something wrong they should have behaved differently when something good happens to someone else they just got lucky and yeah and it should have been you or whatever and and and, and could and be you in the future that makes so. me think of like uh karma you know and sort of like i think that from my understanding at least is that the the west sort of misunderstands karma where like i think it initially meant just like the, the like one cause and effect essentially mm -hmm. like you do one thing and uh, consequently this other thing happened mm -hmm. and then that chain of events and that's you're just living in this sort of chain of events yeah yeah um but yeah i i find the whole like free will topic fascinating i think yeah. that um you know i try and, and talk about it with my fiance and she hates it at this point because it was definitely my um uh, and I talk very, you know, non-scientific, you know, I told her that, or I told you that she's a, she's getting her PhD in, uh, evolutionary biology and ecology. So she sort of was like, you need to learn how to say this better. And, um, me being the lazy person that I am, I have not learned how to say it better. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, generally it's like, it, it, it it's always fell within like the philosophical realm of things. Right. Yeah, so this, yeah, yeah. this is the way decades ago, <clears throat> the, the like real scientific community, chemists, biologists or whatever would be like, I, I don't want to, we don't talk about we consciousness here. Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about free will. <laughs> the, the, that's, that's within the realm of, uh, that's, that's for philosophers and these fucking philosophers don't really prove anything or yeah, test yeah. anything and don't know what they're, uh, you know, they're just, Right. but but i don't think that's uh, that's now that's starting to you break know down break yeah. down a little bit more yeah yeah i kind of wonder if we're just living in you know buddhists talk about enlightenment as like um sort of like seeing past the self mm -hmm. and if if this whole self is just like one big cognitive bias that we're all like uh subject to until yeah. we're not yeah is that it yeah, i don't know I, I mean i i i think i think that that's an interesting way to I, I mean i i think that for me free will is interesting in that and that we care about it at all like the the very i, I mean the, the only reason why i think there could be free will is 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 that it was some evolved thing that's that's look looking for something that we we do have some measure of control over some things and then yeah and so because because free will is actually not important to us in a lot of if you ask someone do you want to have free will yes i want to have free will and then and then you go okay well, we'll think about every step that you're making every breath that you're taking and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like people want others to choose the restaurant people love surprise parties people <laughs> sometimes like being surprised part of what comedy works is being surprised right, and, yeah, yeah. And, and everything so there there are 
like when you think about it through that lens, there's a lot of times in which people would like to take that free will um, away from themselves. They just don't see it on pay. And then also people want free will for themselves and they want control for others. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, like do you, uh, they, they survey people and go like, would you would you rather um, be able to feel everything and not be in any control or or to feel everything and be in uh uh, or not feel anything yeah. and be in perfect control and and people will be like well i want to feel so i'll yeah, like yeah. i'll take the feelings instead even if i don't have um the perfect control contro perfect yeah. control over it and then they ask well what about others and that uh, and They're it like, tends eh. to be like i don't really need to care about their feelings i, I want yeah, yeah, them yeah. to be like in control of themselves right uh, yeah, yeah. you know and and know that because predictability and control are are two of the biggest things that any mammals after and like any organism at all really and and so the and those are the two biggest stressors when they get taken away so so the more unpredictable and, and the less control that we have the more we we kind of have these illusions of it and try to have these top down um superstitions conspiracies spiritualities that that uh, then like yeah. evolve from this like idea of of uh it's probably a way of of uh, of of calming down our overactive stress response system because we get socially valued for um, for appearing more confident and everything. And, so you control. gain status even if yeah. you can't necessarily back it up. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky thing too because it's it's not like we don't have agency over some parts of what we're doing mm -hmm. here, you know. But like, I didn't choose to be, as far as I know or can remember, you know, that's kind of a woo-woo thing that people like to bandy about, like, oh, you chose to be here. It's like, I don't know if I did, maybe mm -hmm. I did, but like, I didn't choose to be born me, you know, in 1985 in Lexington, Kentucky, mm -hmm. to my parents right. in this spot. And I think um, just starting from there, it's like, all right, and then how my life has unfolded from that you go like even success in in art or comedy like there's a fair bit of luck going on there yeah you yeah. know or or failure even bad luck you know you could say it's bad luck um but yeah i just find it i find it a very interesting topic that like it, it really it really gores multiple oxes at once when you bring up like hey by the way we don't have free will you yeah I, I mean there's also like how how empathetic of a person are you because if you're if you're more empathetic you probably believe less in free will and if you're yeah. if you're less empathetic you probably believe more in free will so so if you're if you're a softy like sapolsky who cares about everyone spends much of his later years going and testifying in in uh court because uh for you know in in the uh defense of you know trying to get people lesser lessened sentences er, yeah. sentences and 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 things because he understands that most of this like there were all of these variables that led to like this person had brain damage or whatever right, that right. led to and uh and and so and so like from his point like he thinks about determinism through that lens where then if you're like you know, one of these uh, libertarian influencers. That's like, what you need to do is pull up your bootstraps. Yeah, be yeah, a, yeah. Then, then, then you believe in free will because, like, gosh darn it, you overcome everything, and then you have yeah, this yeah. expectation for everyone else to as, right. as well. Or, or you manifest uh, the the world around you too. That that's the other. 
that I, I, I guess, yeah, there, there's the manifestors and the optimizers are, are kind of doing the same thing, but from two different lenses, which is like, I control the universe. Yeah. And yeah. some people are like, I control the universe with my mind and just thinking positive thoughts about how I want my outcomes to be. Yeah. And then the other side is like, no, life isn't easy and you got to blast through these walls and, and, and then there's <laughs> blends of them. Yeah. Well, what, what, what do you think about the placebo effects of those two things though? It's like, Oh, I love it. That could be re that could be the real thing happening there. I right? mean, life is about finding a placebo that works for you. I, I think, yeah. I think placebo, I, I think placebo is a dirtier word than it should be, which is that like, because if one of these supplement companies is selling like, like, I mean, that blue Lotus that you took, you'd like your feet, like, yeah, there's there's uh, hardly anyone would be able to like take what you took and be like, yeah, uh, this isn't right. anything. And right. and um, but but like these companies that say like, hey, take this and that thing and you'll get to live forever. And usually it's a, a sugar pill. You know, that's. That's fraud, you know, that's just that's Certainly. just straight up fraud. But yeah. but for but for for any individual to come up with like a ritual or do like some sort of little thing that at least like makes them think that everything's going to be okay. And like yeah, gives yeah. them a little pep in their step or whatever, or makes people treat kinder, you know, like placebos can be used in nefarious ways. And then they can also be used in like really, uh, positive ways. Too, yeah. You can like, harness, you can sort of harness the yeah. effects, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that we're pretty much out of time. Yeah, I just got a busy day. Yeah, I yeah. have like a, I, I have a my purple, a big my purple lady manufacturing meeting coming Ooh, up nice. in like thirty minutes here. So it's great, like, great, making sure all the all the product is uh, well, is going to be ready November first. Can you plug some dates towards the middle to end of October? What are you doing? Well, I can tell where you about going? where I'm going to be. I'm, well, one, mid-October, I'll be doing some stuff in New York. Um, there's this psychedelic assembly that's uh, the first brick-and-mortar um, library and social club that is doing this um, spookadelic, uh, psychedelic haunted house with a bad trip kind of theme <laughs> of a haunted house that that I'm participating in, and I'm a big fan and collaborator of the psychedelic assembly um, and out there. And so that'd be a cool, really different thing um, that I've never put together. I, you know, crossing our fingers that it's not lame. It's like a <laughs> yeah. bit of like a th theatrical production. But it's like, I love, I think people should go out and check out like the m more experimental things when they can. Because sure, then when yeah. they can see the polished version later, yeah. then you get to have both experiences of it. Sure. And then I'll, speaking of polished versions, I mean, for a lot of people, I really think that there is like if you're into like psychedelics and and art and in that realm, like my better trip tour is like it's one of the better shows that uh, I think you could see out there. I mean, nice. people tell me that all the time. I put a lot, a lot of work into it. And it's not a one person thing. I collaborate with a bunch of different people and I'm very proud that like, it, you know, a team of people has helped put this together so i'll be um you know starting in november i think a lot around the midwest and then i'll be shooting uh after thanks uh, uh, thanksgiving i'm gonna do uh 
uh, you know, Thanksgiving with the fam in Wisconsin and then shooting straight south for uh, for the winter where I'll be like kind of going through like the Bible Belt and then around through Florida and then the uh, the southern coast. And, and so uh, that's awesome. I, ba- I basically I'm in the south when it's cold and I'm, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm in the north when it's warm. And then there's like one offs like this where I deviate nice. from my routing to do something special and I find myself coming through the denver boulder area a strange amount so i love it here yep and uh here we are podcast and the mind under matter podcast both excellent podcasts yeah here here we are is relaunching in november i'm not i don't know when or if mind under matter is relaunching uh at this moment with the bandwidth that i have but here we are is definitely uh it's a science podcast so yeah um it's uh yeah it's pretty it's not meant to be a comedy podcast at all so just another aspect of uh the things that i like to do to mix it up a little bit awesome well thanks shane yeah really appreciate you you. thanks for having me yeah absolutely fun yeah Yeah. see y'all later Thank you again for listening to another episode of RTAF Podcast. If you are interested in supporting the Patreon, that address is patreon.com slash RTAF Podcast. And I want to thank all my patrons. You guys keep this engine running. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you again for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Do all those little things that help get RTAF into the consciousness of more and more people. Shout. 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 Shout.